The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Strange New World's Lower Decks crossover episode, Those Old Scientists. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. As an old scientist myself, howdy, Dom. <laughs> and Father Corey Stigger. Hey, Father Corey. As a not-so-old, not-so-scientist, hi, Dom. <laughs> yes. I, I, I won't claim to be a scientist, but I will accept the moniker of old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We do have more of your wonderful listener feedback. We love getting your feedback. And I want to encourage you to check out our merchandise store at sqpn.com slash merch, where you can get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt and other materials, as well as other StarQuest shows. I've got my Secrets of Middle Earth shirt I'm wearing if you're watching Ooh. the video, uh, which is it's an awesome shirt. We had a fantastic design on that. So definitely check those out at sqpn.com slash merch. And are you sure we don't have T-shirts in stock? Um, well, uh, I'm sure we could find a supplier of T-shirts, which would be like one leg, <laughs> mm. which is probably basically a skirt or a kilt. <laughs> so, yeah. so another show on the star quest network. I want to encourage you all to check out is the secrets of Doctor who, which you can find wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash doctor who. So uh, we are talking about those old scientists and now it's time to ask Jimmy, can you give us a recap? This week on Lower Decks, Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tendi are sent down to a planet to investigate an ancient portal. But there's a dispute about whether humans or Orions discovered the portal, and when Rutherford takes a picture, the portal activates, and Boimler is sent back in time to Season 2 of Strange New Worlds. Lots of comedy ensues, and even though Pike's crew had already discovered the portal, an Orion science vessel arrives and beams it up, stranding Boimler. Boimler convinces Pike to trade a shipment of grain to get the portal returned, and they use the last of the portal's rare element fuel supply to open it back to Boimler's time. But before he can go through, Mariner barrels through into the past to rescue Boimler. With the rare element fuel supply spent, both Boimler and Mariner are now stranded, and more comedy ensues. Eventually, they realize that they can use a piece of Captain Archer's Enterprise, which is now part of Captain Pike's Enterprise, as a source of the rare element fuel and get Boimler and Mariner home. But when they arrive back at the portal, they are met by the Orion captain, who threatens to upset their plans. Boimler and Mariner reveal that they're from a future where it's considered offensive to regard all pi Orions as pirates, and Pike says that he'll give the Orion scientists credit for discovering the portal if he'll let Boimler and Mariner go through. The captain agrees, and they both return to their own time. Afterward, we get an unexpected animated postscript of Captain Pike's crew celebrating his birthday— and they start noticing how weird it is that they're animated. This is explained by the fact that they've been getting drunk on an Orion beverage with hallucinogenic properties, and Mbenga screams, What the hell is in these things? <laughs> the end. <laughs> yes, that was good. So uh, let's get your uh, overall impressions of this episode. Uh, Father Corey, what, do you th what did you think of this one? This was just fun. 
this was just fun. I mean, first of all, it, it was it was basically the lower decks Strange New Worlds crossovers I was hoping for. I mean, this is this was I didn't expect the animation. I, I figured if they were gonna do the crossover that they would do it all live action. But the animation was so perfect. I mean, it fits so well. Start out with the animation, you know, the Cerritos and the crew in animation, and then you switch to live action with the Strange New Worlds crew, and then back to animation with Cerritos. And of course, like Jimmy mentioned, the end where it was, you know, they're they're basically high on the the Orion <laughs> drug and it's all animated. And it was just it was it was so great. I mean, that was just such a great way to do it. They did it so well. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, kind of really subverted the old time travel tropes that Star Trek likes of, you know, you go back in time and you can't change anything and you can't touch anything. And then you get Boimler who basically blunders his way through the whole thing. <laughs> yes. And Mariner makes things worse. Uh, yeah, this was this was just a great uh, crossover. Uh, she'll have fun. Even even Pike sometimes where he's trying to be the stern captain and he's holding back a laugh. You know, you can see that he wants to just start laughing. But he has to be the stern captain, you know, right. things like that. So yeah. it was it was great. I, I loved it. Jimmy, how about you? I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, there was not as much comedy as you would expect in a Lower Decks episode, mm-hmm. but there was more comedy than you would expect in a typical Strange New Worlds episode. So it was kind of a blending of the two styles. Personally, I would have leaned a little heavier into the comedy um and ramped up the co- the comedic factor a bit but uh but it was still a lot of fun i really enjoyed it and i'd love to see them do this again one thing that occurred to me is the way this had been set up in the publicity for it we knew that boimler and mariner were coming back mm-hmm. um and i've and I, part of me wants to see, i want to see tendy and rutherford Mm-hmm. Um, in live action. So I hope they do do it again. But the way the um, the publicity made it look, it seemed like Boimler and Mariner were going to be coming back at the same time. And that's not what we got. This is really a Boimler-centric episode, and mm-hmm. Mariner only shows up in the latter part of it. Um, but they didn't present it to us that way. I think it would have been even more fun if they had only shown Boimler in the publicity and then Mariner coming back was a surprise twist. You know, I think that would have been even more fun. That's true. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I love this episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks. It was the best of both worlds. Uh-huh. Oh. Get it? <laughs> uh, and the uh, cutest Dom has spoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it was, yeah, no, it was just it, like you said, Father, this is exactly what I wanted from it. it was it wasn't too much. Lower Decks. It wasn't too much. Strange New Worlds. It had the comedy. It had the some of the drama. And it was great. And I think uh, Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid in live action were great. I want to talk a little bit about the comparing their live action to their animated versions. But I think having them in live action as their characters was a, so much fun. I, you know what? As I'm thinking about the uh, Rutherford and Tendy, do their actors look like their characters? Because that might have yes. been part of the problem. They, they do. do. Oh, yeah. They do. OK. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you'd have to get. The actress who plays Tindy in Greenface, yeah. but yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's that was it just occurred to me. I didn't I didn't look it up ahead of time. Um, and and you'd have to get the actor who plays Rutherford in Cyborg Gear, but yeah, they look yeah. like their characters. But yeah, that's all possible. 
Um, so this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, which was mm-hmm. uh, great. The live action part was the animated yeah. part was directed by one of the Lower Decks directors. Interesting. Yeah, they don't have that credited, but uh, but yeah, I would assume because directing um, animation is a whole different <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a scene I just want to talk about quickly about this bit because of Jonathan Frakes, where uh, Boimler is in the it's kind of a cross between Pike's ready room and the conference room. But there's a saddle in there, yeah, a mm-hmm. horse saddle. And he and Boimler kind of mounts it. But yeah. as he does, he kind of says quickly, Riker. Yeah. And yeah. he does the Riker maneuver, <laughs> which does. is sitting, sitting down. By slinging your leg over the back of what you're about to sit on, and 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 so, and yep. that was that was uh, ad libbed. Yeah, it was on, on, the on, set. Jack, on Jack Quaid's part. He's got he's got Jonathan Frakes there directing him, and he's supposed to sit on the saddle, and he slings his leg over it, and just spontaneously says, "Riker." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frakes said his wife just like yelled when he when uh, <laughs> as soon as he did that. And I was watching the uh, the ready room the they. Did to the post show with Will Wheaton and Will Wheaton says, you know, as a kid, he thought that was the coolest thing. So every time he sat down in a chair, he he did the Riker. So like the, the three of them bonding over this the Riker. I just love that. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do that from now on when I I'm, I can't actually swing my I'm short enough. I can't really do that on a lot of chairs, but whenever I can, I'm doing Riker. Well, one uh, thing you talked about the animation versus the, the, the live action. They did a really I think they did a really good job of making them match, mm-hmm. you know, as yeah. far as how everything looked, but that it was, it did seem seamless yeah. to me, you know, that it was, there wasn't, it wasn't jar, almost jarring that going from the animation to live action and back. And obviously you've got this time portal that, that gives you that. It's not like you turn a corner and you go from live action to animated, but it's still that, that there's that seamlessness that they can get it so that it fit well. Yeah, the way they did that was they have them go down to the planet to the portal and it's an alien looking environment. And so they play that to their favor by having the animation of this alien, weird alien environment blend into the CGI mm-hmm. of the weird, same weird alien environment in live action. Inclu- including the design of the portal, which I think was very clever that they designed in such a way in both animation and in live action that it works in both. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. So that, that was really good. Uh, so one kind of funny note is uh, at the end, I just want to leap to this for a second, is uh, Ransom back aboard the Cerritos sees Boimler's poster of number one and says, oh, hottest first officer in Starfleet history. The actor who plays Ransom is Jerry O'Connell, who yep. is married in real life to Rebecca Romaine, who plays number mm, yep. one. So, you know, it's his wife, you know. <laughs> exactly. A, I thought that was a very funny little uh, uh, a little so bit get there. So get them both in the same episode, even if they didn't interact. Yeah, exactly. And that, that admittedly, that one would probably be the hardest to do live action because Jerry O'Connell is not some younger buff dude anymore. No. He's, yeah. He he's doesn't look like some Ransom. Weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how in the 24th century, they refer to her not as number one, but as numero una. And as Mariner quickly points out, no one ever called her that. <laughs> yeah. <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we should mention the opening credits, at least, because uh, this they, they did animate those for Strange New mm-hmm. Worlds. 
including having the uh, the that, koala. Well, they had the, the koala, koala at the end, sort of in the mm-hmm. back, uh, and also that um, chrysalis thingy, whatever the thing that grabs under the nacelle of the Cerritos was doing that to the Enterprise. So, yep, nice touch. <laughs> um, the so the, yeah, and then they had the koala at the end. Um, so the title of the episode, "Those Old Scientists," is a reference to when a previous Lower Decks episode when. Ransom referred to this period of time as TOS, which is which is a fan thing uh, of mm-hmm. the original series, and then explains it's for those old scientists, which doesn't make any sense. But OK. OK, so one thing they did did say as part of this is that the Pike crew of the Enterprise is the original crew mm-hmm. of the Enterprise. Now, yeah. now there is I know, I believe in um, there's Robert comic April. Books. Yeah. Robert April was supposedly the first captain, but. At least with this, they're saying he wasn't. That seems to be a an error because in the I think in the premiere episode of Strange New Worlds, they reference April having being been the previous captain. I think don't they? Yeah, they. I believe they do, and he's definitely referenced that way in the animated series. He even appears in the animated series. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's just a right. It has to be a little bit and of that- a writing error. Yeah. And of course, that's one of those things you could go, well, this is 120 years later and maybe, you know, Starfleet records aren't quite as flawless as or people's memories. Yeah. Or memories. Yeah. 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 Um, what did you think of the difference between the way that the characters are portrayed uh, in live action versus animated for Boimler and Mariner? And by that, I mean, in animation, it's a collaborative work between mm-hmm. an animator and a voice actor. But in live action, it's all the, the actor. So what did you think of the difference between Boimler and Mariner? Well, I thought they're written a little less comedically than they normally are. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack Quaid is older than he appears in animated form. He's got more age in his face. He's not an old guy, but mm-hmm. he's clearly older than he looks in Lower Decks. They also did a good job, I think, with his hair um, mm-hmm. because it's purple in the animated and they needed to make it purple without it being over the top. I I saw some, a photo from a convention a while back where he and, and, um, and the actors who plays Mariner were dressed as their lower decks characters. And he was wearing this over the top purple wig that did, it was like metallic purple or something. Right. And I didn't think it looked good. And here it was much more subdued. And in Mm -hmm. fact, in some shots, it looks like they've only purplized the front of his hair and the back of his head is still black. But in other shots, it looks a little broader than that. Mm -hmm. But I thought they did a good job with it. And the uh, the acting style, I mean, did you like you mentioned, they didn't seem as over the top comedic. And I kind of Mm -hmm. felt like there was there was a definite difference. I think that's just a nature of of animation versus live action. They aren't playing it as broad. Mm -hmm. Um, Although they did have some nice touches to uh, Jack Quaid has some very unusual vocal inflections that Mm -hmm. he does. And they, they had him using those and that was good. One uh, person I saw commenting on the episode before it came out was wondering, are we going to get the patented Boimler scream? Because Boimler has this (laughs) really distinctive girlish panicked scream 
that he does in a yeah. lot of Lower Decks episodes. And we got that here. It's mm-hmm. it's when he and Spock are using the matter uh, reconstitutor or whatever it is. They're trying to make yep. the unobtainium for this episode and it's getting ready to explode. And Boimler has his girlish <laughs> shriek. So they, they got that in. That was good. Well, and, and you know, definitely with his facial features, you can see uh, that he was playing up the same features as you see with Boimler all the time, you know, where he, He's talking about and, and, and some of his actions, too. He's talking there in the uh, the bar there on the Enterprise with with Chapel and, and Ortegas. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know that this is his birthday because it's, you know, it's, it's a holiday in my time. Crap. And he hit, <laughs> his head hits the table. Very Boimler thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you good. know, just stuff like that. So I, I thought they really did a good job of taking, you know, things that they do in animation, of course, you know, that you, you've got much more freedom with movement. And putting him on a live action person. Right. So, yeah, it, 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 I think they did a good job with you know, understanding the limitations of live action versus uh, of animation, but bringing over the, the facial features and movements. I like that they gave, they didn't have the comedy land all on Mariner and Boimler. They let the Lower Decks crew have comedic moments too. The Strange New Worlds crew, yes. I'm sorry, the the Strange New Worlds crew have comedic moments, too. Like at the beginning, after they after after Boimler's come back and he's still unconscious, um, number one is walking down the hallway with Pike and she's showing him Boimler's Delta and says, Spock, analyze this. And it's not only for identification, it's also a communicator. Mm -hmm. And um, and and Pike says, but flipping it open is the best part. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and number one says, yeah, I like ours better too. And that was just a great little thing to add. And it was nice mm-hmm. that they got comedy. And then later in the scene that father Corey was mentioning, you have Boimler is in the bar and chapel and Ortega's come up to him and they both prank him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like chapel is saying, so have you hit the uncontrolled vomiting yet? <laughs> and he's like, what? And so yeah, it's a common symptom of chroniton poisoning. <laughs> and and, uh, and they're just making it up. There's also a nice line where Ortega says, so what's it like living in the future? I mean, do you have jetpacks? And Chapel leans over and says, we have jetpacks. And yeah. she's like, yeah, but smaller jetpacks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's you, you make a point like one of the things that makes Lower Deck so good is how often it. The jokes are they land for fans, true fans, people who've loved the mm-hmm. show, you know, they're are deep into it, whether for 50 years or they're new to it. But they they love it and they get deep into it. And things like but flipping and opening is the best part. It's such a yeah. fan thing, you know, I mean, or even just calling it TOS and that sort of stuff. And so to bring that from Lower Decks to Strange New Worlds and to, to kind of continue that understanding what it is about Lower Decks that the fans really like and those sorts of things. So yeah. I really enjoyed well, that. They, they had a great, call, great call out where, when once Mariner had come back and they're sitting in the conference room and you can hear Mariner and Boimler talk about, at least you didn't land in an authoritarian regime. And Pike goes, 
They're oddly specific about this. Yeah, their references are weirdly specific. And, and, <laughs> and, a, and authoritarian San Francisco in a riot, which <laughs> oh, is a, which right. is a reference right. to a, a two-parter that I actually didn't like from uh, Deep Space Nine, where Cisco ends up playing the historical part of Gabriel Bell in mm-hmm. like 1997 San Francisco in an alternate 2024. Timeline. 2024, yeah, right. whatever. So next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we may get that. <laughs> they all, they also do have a lot of little callbacks for fans like at one that wouldn't really make sense. Like at one point, um, Ortegas is walking down a corridor with um, with Ortegas, with, with Boimler, and mm-hmm. she's telling him don't or actually it's Laon. Laon, yeah. And tells him, you know, don't don't disclose any more information about the future. And he raises his hand and says, Worf's honor. And yeah. like, okay, that makes sense for fans who know who Worf is, but yeah. you really wouldn't have that. And Worf <laughs> is a very honorable character, but you wouldn't have that as part of everyday speech in the 24th century. <laughs> um, I also like how when when Boimler and Benga and Spock are, are examining the portal, um, Boimler is geeking out over Mbenga's tricorder and is, mm-hmm. is like, is that a TS-22 tricorder, a classic TS-22 tricorder? And he says it's a TS-20. So yeah. it's not the exact model that he's thinking of yet. It's not quite as classic. Um, but Boimler says, you know, they never improved on this design. I mean, we've made them smaller and arguably less likely to explode, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were some exploding tricorders in TOS. And 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 even Manga in the background is like, explode? (laughs) (laughs) But that was kind of a callback, too, to uh, DS9, because the... the the DS9 episode where they go back to the Tribbles. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where uh, Jadzia Dax is geeking out over the design of the tricorder. That's true. Or how, you know, how it looks so industrial and all that, all that. So that's kind of a callback there, too. They're also able to use the humor in the show to say things that fans have been saying. Like at one point, Boimler is comment, complimenting Captain Pike. And he he mentions Pike's strengths, his diplomacy, his patience, his kindness, his really great hair. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Um, You know, one of the things I really liked was how Mariner was geeking out over Uhura, like Mm -hmm. sort of seeing her as a hero. And Uhura reacts as I'm just an ensign. I haven't done anything yet. This is a lot of pressure that you're telling mm. me that I'll be known in 120 years. Like I was thinking, imagine knowing that in 120 years, someone will still know who I am and look up to me as a hero. Mm-hmm. That that's a lot of pressure, especially if I'm a you know 22, 24 year old. Uh, that would be weird. Uh, but it was fun to see that and how Uhura wasn't actually the Uhura that. Mariner remembered because Mariner says, oh, Yuhura would, would knows how to relax. She knows how to have fun. Not this Yuhura. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. She is. She hasn't developed that yet. Yeah. I, I also liked how we have a moment when they're retrieving the part from Archer's Enterprise that you have Ortegas and Uhura geeking out over the Archer crew. Yes. You know, yeah. like Travis May, 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 Mayweather, first pilot of the Enterprise yep. and Hoshi Sato, she, she spoke 86 languages. And <laughs> that was a really cool moment. It, it, it really did reflect, okay, this is what Mariner and Boimler have just been doing. 
Yeah. This that means we need an Enterprise Strange New Worlds crossover event. That's what yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I, I did like too is when they're when they when Boimler remembers that hey there is this part of the NX01 that they started that the tradition was to start with the previous ship a piece of the previous ship and go from there so there is this piece there and you know Boimler mentions and the grapplers and Mariner says no one wants to hear about the grapplers and Lon's like I like the grapplers yeah. he's here real quietly yeah <laughs> yes very serious Lon who gets gets to have a little bit of a joke. Another thing that they're able to do that sort of made it textual is comment on how Strange New Worlds is different than TOS mm-hmm. uh, because Spock is they make a big point of Spock is laughing in mm-hmm. this and Boimler freaks out and thinks he's caused Spock's life to go off the rails. And it's not until Chapel tells him that, no, he's already been doing this. And mm-hmm. Boimler's like, oh, phew, because the stern, never smiles Spock is so important to the future. And I was afraid I'd thrown it off. And he's babbling about that. Right. And so he must just be going through a phase or something. And he'll settle down into his normal stoic self eventually. And Chapel is getting more and more uncomfortable. Right. And he realizes, oh, it's you who encouraged him to explore yeah. his humanity. Uh, forget I said anything. And, yeah. and she's like... Um, and they're saying what we as fans can infer that this is a younger, less mature Spock. He will eventually settle down into the familiar TOS Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, and his relationship with Chapel is not ultimately going to blossom. It, it may right. have some little blossoms, but it's not they're not going to end up together. And they address that. This gives them a way to address that on camera where. Uh, they kind of did it a few episodes ago where Chapel admitted it was the more Vulcan Spock she was attracted to. But mm-hmm. here she's like, well, I don't know that I ever thought I would be able to influence him forever. And right. so she acknowledges that she doesn't see this necessarily as a we're going to end up together thing. I felt like it was the implication was she was sad at like maybe logically or rationally. She realized that this couldn't be a long term, but emotionally having mm-hmm. it confirmed that this is a short-term relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where that would, that would be kind of makes you make you a little sad uh, realizing mm-hmm. that. And Boimler's, you know, usual bumbling over the social aspect of, of that um, was endearing and, you know, expected. <laughs> directly. Um, I, I, one thing I liked was this, how Tendi and Mariner were disputing over who actually discovered the portal, whether it were the, the Orions or Starfleet. Tendi and Boimler. Boimler, Was yeah. it Boimler? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it turns out they're both right. And I, I like that mm-hmm. aspect of it where sometimes history is not as simple as we did it and you didn't. Whereas in fact, we both did. Uh, yeah. And, well, and it, it was, it was Starfleet that found it first. It was the enterprise yeah. that found it first, but to, so to solve the, issue they gave the orion credit for it, 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 it which is funny because except it's not universally credited you know what I mean? <laughs> that whole thing yeah. so that was fun well um, it was it was funny too is how, what was the reaction though the orions when they when they got there is they beamed it up they didn't leave it there and study it they beamed it up to study <laughs> yeah they were going to take it with them and go study it somewhere else very different uh you know very different attitudes towards science and exploration and you know different ethic about it we also have a little side quest in this for Uhura to learn how to translate the writing that's on the time mm-hmm. portal. And eventually, um, it turns out that the writing is an ancient form of Nausicaan. Mm-hmm. And 
um, Ortegas recognizes it because she used to play Dom Jod. And Uhura hasn't heard of Dom Jod, and Mariner explains it's a it's a kind of billiards like game that Nausicans love to play, even though they're really bad at it. <laughs> and that's a reference to the uh, Next Both. Generation episode yep. Tapestry. Yeah, and DS Nine, where, where uh, I think yeah. Jake and Nog. Yeah, but in particular to Tapestry, where P- Captain Picard gets his artificial heart because yeah. a Nausicaan stabs him mm-hmm. uh, after uh, after some failed dom jot um but i love how when they finally translate it we have a nice comedic here's what it actually says this is a time portal (laughs) that's that's all it says yeah that's a very lower decks thing yeah like you know because usually translating the writing would solve everything but nope that's a lower decks thing no it's a time portal uh we've labeled it (laughs) um one thing that i like was when with the very when Boyman the very first moment he comes through the portal lands there and he's look he's staring at uh, Pike Laan and no, it's went, Spock Spock number one in Laan uh, Spock right and he says you guys look very realistic mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is funny because he just went from animation to live action yeah compared to the animation he normally yeah. lives in yeah. yeah uh so and then when he wakes up on bo- in the sick bay his very first reaction is end program which is great yeah (laughs) and then his next reaction is how a lot of trek fans would react if we found ourselves in that situation is like geeking out oh my gosh yeah you're pike and you're spock and you're number one ah he he does the touch you know where he touches him on the shoulder and goes oh this is real (laughs) it was it was uh i just i love those reactions in in those those first moments and how he reacted and they reacted to him and even like you've you know, he tries to do the time travel thing where he re- doesn't reveal he's from the future. Five digits. Oh, that's a very normal starting n- number. And he's like, Pike yeah. is, we, we know, we know. you from the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, another really lower decks moment where after the, after the Orions have stolen the portal, um, they're trying to figure out how to track them. And Spock says, if with sufficient time, I could maybe brute force one. But for the moment, there's no way to track them. And Boimler is like, well, I know how to track them. And they're like, but you can't use the knowledge you have from the future. And it's like, well, you guys could just not look. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's what they do. They let Boimler rewire their tracking system to find the Orions and all of the bridge crew are just standing there with their backs turned. Which <laughs> is hilarious. And he's in, well, he, like, tangled in all the wires and yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, even number one's reaction is like, we can't just not look. Can, Can we? we? <laughs> yeah. But that's a very Lower Decks kind of thing. That's exactly what they would do on Lower Decks if they got a time traveler from the future. Right. Yep. Uh, when he first gets to the bridge, he's like NCC seventeen oh one dash nothing, and then <laughs> was it Ortega said or Laan says was it her? Oh, was it Uhura? What would come after the dash? <laughs> like, like, yeah, we didn't do dash a ships back, the, yeah, back then. The yeah. Enterprise was the first to get a dash a. Yeah. Um, he also calls Ortegas a war hero, which is interesting. We we haven't gotten the story on that yet. I thought we might actually in the it's, next it's, episode. But... It's from the Klingon War. She's a war hero right. from that. Right. Right. But we don't know how. And I, I wonder if that's a some... little bit of. Yeah, we've got little bits of the story, but not much. We yep. don't know much about it yet. So that's um, probably coming soon. Yes. So um, 
I like the fact that Pike's reaction to Boimler's fanboying is to kind of think maybe his future isn't so bad. Although Boimler doesn't, you know, kind of, he does this very interesting physical thing where he's like, oh, Pike, you know, and he kind of motions a little, or was it Mariner, to face and body. Like, that was Mariner. Mariner, right, when she shows up like, oh, yeah, the the thing. And again, Pike reveals he knows what's coming for him. Right. Um, yeah, they were they're talking about why he didn't want to have a birthday party. And of course, they're assuming it's because they know how many years he's got left. And he goes, no, it's not because of that. I know about that. It's because of his relationship with his dad. Right. Um, and this is the first year he's going to be older than his dad was when he died, yep. which is actually an interesting thing that mm-hmm. I find myself having outlived various people, including historical figures. And it's like, wow, I'm older than that person was when they died. And actually, this is the first year that I'm older than my mom was when mm-hmm. she died. She died very unexpectedly based on the lifespan of women in her family. She should have lived into her late 90s. Oh, wow. Right. But but she died 40 years early. Wow. wow. And, and it's like, okay, I'm a year older than my mom was when she died now. Wow. Yeah. I like that Boimler, this was a more serious moment in the, mm-hmm. more dramatic, and Boimler encourages Pike to remember, you know, like, just like you would give anything, all the years you have left to spend another birthday with your dad, even though you've you know, he did had a bad relationship with him, um, which I'm kind of feeling because I lost my dad in the past year and mm-hmm. my mom. Uh, but uh, but he says your crew would get will want to have given all the time that they have to have another opportunity with you as well. Yep. Like, think of what they need. And if Pike was cynical, he would have said, and no matter what I do today, they're still going to feel that way. So I'm going to get drunk and have the, that imaginary <laughs> argument with my dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Now, contrast Pike's reaction to Boimler's fanboying to Una's reaction to Boimler's reaction to her, which is he kind of screams and runs away every time he sees her. (laughs) And she thinks, is something really wrong with my future? And it turns out it's not. Well, but they reveal it in a very interesting way because Mariner says, oh, he's he's got a poster of you by his bed. It's not what you think. It's not your future. He's just got a poster of you by his bed. She's like... A pinup poster as well. It's a poster and it's pinned up. Are we talking (laughs) about the same thing? And number one is I don't want to know. So she's thinking Boimler is has a crush on her. Right. She's a pinup girl for Boimler. Um, But then later, no, it's a recruiting poster. It's it's yes. it's not like a wet T-shirt poster or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's the literal poster girl for Starfleet recruiting. And the poster on it has Ad Astra per Aspera, which. You know, I think, you know, she's visibly moved by the idea that Mm -hmm. what she just went through a couple episodes ago is something that lives on and becomes a Starfleet motto, which is Mm -hmm. quite the turnaround, you know, from from the way they treated it. And then she scolds them for breaking temporal protocols and telling her. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) But actually, that was such a great that was actually such a great scene because it kind of shows her acting ability where she I mean, she's very stern. You know, you broken protocols by doing this and then immediately melts and thank you. Yes. Yeah. I liked it how Boimler sees this as and I think he said this in the in the Lower Decks episode where they talked about TOS as the great age of exploration. And I can imagine, you know, when you look in the past, we have this tendency sometimes to romanticize, you know, uh, look at golden ages. And and he sees this this period from his viewpoint, you know, as a golden age of exploration where things that to them are 
sort of well-known and well-trod paths back then were still new and exciting and unvisited. Yeah. On the other hand, no air conditioning, rare baths, and no antifungal athlete's foot powder that works. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's we. we yeah, people tend to romanticize in this country or our time period. Yeah, the uh, the Wild West, or yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Very different. Um, so there. Well, one of the questions I ask is the Enterprise's mission here was bringing grain to this uh, colony that needs oh, it. Yeah. Try try triticale. Yes, not quattro. Not quattro. (laughs) That hasn't been developed yet. That's five years away for trouble with tribbles. Yes. Yep. Why is the Enterprise so often a freight ship for grain? (laughs) It occurred to me. (laughs) It's faster than the normal freight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, ships. I guess I don't know. And less likely to be stolen by pirates, right? The pirates aren't going to take on a heavy cruiser. I mean, I guess it'd be the equivalent of. you know, like a humanitarian mission for the military. So they load up a C-17 with grain versus a cargo ship going across the ocean. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's true. There's also a moment that's a nice callback to things they've established in Lower Decks, where after Boimler thinks he's really messed things up and he's going to be stranded here, he goes down to the warp core and just seeks solace in, as Pelia puts it, a properly calibrated warp core. And (laughs) they've established before how that's the kind of thing he does in his own time. Right. Like his, wasn't it like his sleep music, his white noise at night is the warp core? Like he has a recording of the warp core. (laughs) I think they had that once on Lower Deck. Which you can get a 10 hour version of on YouTube, by the way. There's a, (laughs) it's, it's very soothing. Um, the uh, and Pelia tells him, you know, because he's this hero worship thing, and um, and she's she says, you know, in her experience of thousands of years of life, most heroes she's seen are pretending half the time. She tells him to fake it till he makes it, you know, which mm-hmm. is, you know, he's got imposter syndrome. In other words, there was there was one great Pelia line uh-huh. um, when they were grabbing the the piece of the NX one Enterprise, which is under the uh, engineering deck. She goes. You know, something basically like, like, don't damage my floor. I use that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and someone else says, well, doesn't everybody like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that kind of line. There's a similar one in The Tick, where in the first animated episode of The Tick, there's an a, a interviewer asking The Tick questions. The Tick is a super a comedy superhero. Mm-hmm. And they ask him, like, what are your powers? Will they destroy the world? And he's like, the world? I sure hope not. That's where I keep all my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a, it should have been in an Oppenheimer. So, <laughs> um, and then, so Boimler embarks on this thing to this, this quest to get the portal back. The, well, actually to get the grain back from right. the, uh, the Orions. Mm-hmm. And because so he's going to, this, this is the only grain they're, that they had, they can't replace it, and they're going to have to abandon the colony. Right, right. And so he feels like he's wrecked the, by encouraging Pike to make the trade deal, he's now doomed this colony to failure, and so he wants to get the grain back. So, and he, yeah. he goes into a shuttle 
because shuttles have independent communication systems. And Mariner startles him by being there ahead of him. And he says, holy Q. And she says, like, don't yell Q. They haven't met him yet. They have a whole kind of Trelane thing going on, <laughs> That's which is which is another <laughs> yeah. great metatextual reference since fans have speculated <laughs> Trelane from the original series might be a Q because he acts so mm-hmm. much like one. Yeah. Um, but uh, she then says, um, you know, I, I knew what you were going to do. And so I'm here to help you because you need an accomplice who will never get caught. And then all of a sudden, Lon <laughs> catches them. <Yep. laughs> and and it's a, it, that's another great moment that they would have played it the same way on Lower Decks. Mariner yeah. would be boasting about she never gets caught and instantly she's caught. Right. Yep. Right. Right. So uh, so they do send a, the message gets out to the Orions, you know, regardless, and they show up at the portal. Yeah, and and this is an inconsistency in the writing because they say that Uhura blocked the signal, but then it turns out it wasn't blocked, and they never address that. They just contradict themselves. Yeah. But, uh, so the Orions are waiting there, and they're waiting to, you know, to to trade, and Pike kind of, you know, gets involved. And at one point, uh, they react, they, they talk about, well, you know, we don't in the future, Boimler says in the future, we don't not everyone thinks of Orions as pirates. You know, we 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 see some of you as scientists and the captain reacts positively to that and then mm-hmm. mentions how the great the great grandmother of mm-hmm. one of his own yep. Starfleet crewmates is aboard your ship, um, Tendi, and he and calls her the mistress of the winter winter constellations, which mm-hmm. is from a previous episode. And that ca- the captain reacts strongly to it. So we don't we've never had that explained why Orion's react strongly to Tendi's title that she's well, trying to leave behind. It, it, it's some kind of pirate title. Yeah, they've, right. They've implied. Um, I, I like Tendi's initially um, her rebuttal to Boimler's question, did Orion's do anything but pirating in the 23rd century. And she's like, who do you think built the spaceships? They're not all pirates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just like Klingons aren't all warriors. They have, someone's got to grow the food, mm-hmm. you know, that yep. sort of thing. And then, um, so the other thing that was really nice was a very lower decks moment is it says soon, like, first the portal opens and then you hear Tendi and Rutherford, there they are. Should we come through? No, yeah. stay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then when Rutherford, I mean, when Boimler and, and Mariner, do come back Rutherford's first thing he says is the thing he says all the time yep. they seem nice <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is such a, a Rutherford thing Rutherford's like very midwestern nice I don't know if like mm-hmm. that's yeah. how he comes yep. across and it's just so it was just so funny I made, it made me laugh out loud uh, <laughs> and then we had the that final animated scene which is kind of fun because we you know you kind of had to have the Strange New Worlds crew, you know, you, you kind of felt it would have been incomplete if we didn't get them animated. We, we didn't have a, mm-hmm. a, an animated Pike and Nuna and all that. Uh, but they incorporated so well as in, yeah, they're hallucinating because they made those Orion Hurricanes with real Orion Deloc with their their whatever yep. that is. And uh, they were all they're all like, taking you know, a really bad trip, which was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Which Mariner sets up by saying earlier in the bar when she's made fake Orion Hurricane, mm-hmm. she says, "I couldn't get I, had to, I couldn't get real Deloc that, but that's okay. That stuff will mess you up really bad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I like Spock's like spaghetti arm, like he's like my arm's yeah. like doing really weird things. Who's who? One of them said, 
I feel almost like I'm two dimensional. Yeah, yeah. I think Ortegas and Ortega says, and my eyes feel like they're bulging. Do any of you have eyes that feel like they're just huge? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, oh, such fun, so fun. So, um, any other notes from this episode, Father Corey? So, so one thing we didn't mention is the grain was going to the the colony at Setlik Two. And of course, in DS9, Miles O'Brien was the hero of Setlick 3 yep. during the Cardassian War. Oh, I knew I heard that before. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else? Nope, that's it. How about you, Jimmy? I like how Spock and Boimler wear protective eyewear when they're yeah. fooling with the matter transmuter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of protective eyewear in Star Trek, but <laughs> it's good lab protocol. Yeah. Um, they're also wearing like gloves and stuff, which is also good mm-hmm. lab protocol. Um, and I noticed based on the, in, on the ensigns log that Boimler does at the beginning of the episode, based on the star date, this episode is set in the second half of season three of Lower Decks. Mm. So we've mm. already gone past this in the Lower Decks timeline with the final episodes of season three. Interesting. Right, right. I think I think that was even mentioned on Memory Alpha, like where exactly it uh, it falls in the uh, in that season. Um, what was it? Uh, yeah, well, in any case, uh, yeah, I can't find it really quick. But yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Anything else? Nope. Awesome. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun episode. Uh, before we go, I want to get to that feedback we had. And this come from, came from our uh, episode 270 charades. Uh, Joby sent an email and said, uh, he said, when we watched this episode, my wife declared that Vulcans celebrate Festivus because this was the airing of the grievances, which is such a, a it's a reference to the, the uh, Seinfeld. 90s sitcom <laughs> yep. Seinfeld, where they had a made up holiday. George's dad, uh, George Costanza's dad had a made up holiday called Festivus, which was around Christmas time, which included a Festivus pole, but also the ritual airing of grievances. So very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I missed that uh, when we first discussed it. <laughs> So uh, that's it for this time. Before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Alfredo B, Edward G, Ian J, Trey K, and Faker Mage. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us this time. What did you think of those old scientists? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to Trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. And you can watch The Secrets of Star Trek on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media. We should make sure to leave a comment, like the episode, and hit the bell to get notifications. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Strange New Worlds, Under the Cloak of War. And you should have that actually pretty quickly after you get this one, uh, because Mm -hmm. the way that they drop these episodes (laughs) right on top of each other. So until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live, and 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 live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember, 
Have you noticed that their references are weirdly specific? 